RTHK News. It's one o'clock, I'm Pierre Tremblay. The headlines, the director of Beijing's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office warns of a grave crisis in the SAR. Lawmaker Michael Tien says there is a way out of the crisis, but only with an independent inquiry. And North Korea is accused of stealing two billion U.S. dollars for its weapons program through cybercrimes. The director of Beijing's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Zhang Xiaoming, says Hong Kong's facing the most severe crisis since the handover 22 years ago. Addressing around 500 delegates to the National People's Congress, the CPPCC and pro-government lawmakers at a seminar in Shenzhen, Mr. Zhang said the anti-extradition saga had been expanding in scale and intensity over the past two months, and the central government was extremely concerned. He said mainland officials would make clear Beijing's stance on the issue during today's meeting. Meanwhile, roundtable lawmaker Michael Tian says he'll use the meeting to urge mainland officials to press Carrie Lam's administration to formally withdraw the extradition bill and hold an independent inquiry into the crisis. Mr. Tian told RTHK a recent discussion with protesters outside Chunwan police station left him with the impression the crisis can be resolved. I asked him of the five demands you had, some actually will really not be possible. Are there any ones that is absolutely important to you? And they narrow it down to two. One is the Committee on Inquiry, the other is a complete withdrawal. And uh, a lot of them agreed with me that the government acceded to these two requests. At least half of the supporters in the back will have gotten what they want and disappeared. Samsepo police station was besieged by demonstrators last night. They were angry that a student leader had been arrested for possessing offensive weapons after he bought 10 laser pointers. Alex Prince has the details. Video footage shows four plainclothes officers holding Baptist University Student Union President Keith Fong against a wall and shouting angrily at him, accusing him of trying to escape when they first approach him. Mr Fong says he only tried to run away because they were in plain clothes and he didn't know who they were. He repeatedly asks the officers why he's being held and if they're going to charge him. The officers later searched his bag and said they found the pointers. Hundreds of people flocked to the area as news of Mr Fong's arrest spread. Around 11.20pm, volleys of tear gas were fired from inside the station at the crowd on Quailin Street. <laughs> Police vans carrying reinforcements, many in riot gear, were deployed to the surrounding streets. Police remained out on the streets and by 1am, most of the protesters had gone. Democratic Party lawmaker James, James Toe, who is also a lawyer, said he believed the police lacked sufficient evidence to arrest Mr. Fong. He was speaking after the police justified the arrest by saying that Mr. Fong acted suspiciously when approached by plainclothes officers and had a large number of laser pointers in his bag. If the item is a knife and the person acts suspiciously, of course uh, the suspicion is enough to let you have that kind of suspicion to arrest for that offence. But if it, it is not an office, offensive weapon per se, then that kind of suspicion will not add to your suspicion of the person using that normal item, not an, per se an offensive weapon, uh, for offensive purpose. Five people aged between 22 and 32 have been charged with criminal damage after traffic lights in Chunwan were destroyed on Monday. Three men, one car mechanic and two who are unemployed, made their first appearance in Eastern Court this morning. They were granted bail of $1,000 with conditions including curfews. 
Two other people, a male student and a self-employed woman, are being treated in Yansai Hospital but are due in court on Friday. The Journalists Association has condemned protesters who obstructed and damaged a TVB news van in Wang Tai Sin on Monday. It's the latest attack on TVB, which has been accused of pro-government bias by some protesters. The association said protesters should respect frontline reporters and it urged the police to investigate. Only a handful of people have heeded the, uh, an online appeal to protest at Revenue Tower in Wan Chai today. The few who did turn up were outnumbered by reporters at the scene. The shutters came down at two of the tower's four entrances, while a few security guards were on standby if anything happened. The Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan has vowed to fight Delhi's decision to strip Indian administered Kashmir of its special status, saying he'll take the issue to the UN if necessary. He told Parliament the move could further escalate tensions between the two countries, and he demanded the, the international community respond. That's why we appeal to the world that a country that's so blatantly violating international laws does not even feel bothered. It knows what happened earlier, when it was doing injustice to Kashmiris. Then the UN brought out a few reports about human rights violations, but the world did nothing. Meanwhile, Beijing has criticized New Delhi's decision to put Kashmir's mostly Buddhist Ladakh region under its direct control. India said China shouldn't comment on its internal affairs. Sources have confirmed that a confidential UN report accuses North Korea of stealing an estimated two billion US dollars through sophisticated cyber attacks to fund its weapons program. From New York, here's the BBC's Nada Taufik. The panel of UN experts said it was investigating at least 35 attacks on financial institutions, cryptocurrency exchanges, and mining activity designed to earn foreign currency. Cryptocurrencies are subject to less regulation than the traditional banking sector and are therefore notoriously difficult to trace. The panel's investigation also showed that despite diplomatic efforts to restart stalled talks, Pyongyang continued to violate sanctions through ongoing illicit ship-to-ship transfers and procurement of weapons of mass destruction-related items. A report by a U.S. Defense Department watchdog has warned of a resurgence by Islamic State militants in Syria months after Donald Trump declared the group had been totally defeated. The Pentagon's inspector general said the militants had been able to regroup as the U.S. withdrew its forces. The BBC's Peter Bowes reports. The Defense Department watchdog says the group has been able to solidify by exploiting weaknesses in local forces in Iraq and Syria, which have been unable to sustain long-term operations against IS militants. The report says the group is likely to be re-establishing financial networks in both Iraq and Syria. It also cautioned that camps for people displaced by the war have been left unsupervised, allowing the militants' ideology to spread uncontested. U.S. police said the gunman who shot dead nine people in the city of Dayton on Sunday had shown an interest in violent ideologies. An FBI spokesman, Todd Wickerman, said there didn't appear to have been a racial motive for the killings. We have found very specific violent ideologies that the shooter we know followed and was interested in. So that has uh, given us enough information to open up an FBI investigation to make sure we have every single tool, every investigative capability to figure out why this happened and to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. One thing I'll point out, that we have not found any indication that it's a racial motivation. 
The FBI has also opened a domestic terrorism investigation into an earlier shooting at a garlic festival in Northern California in which three people were killed. The U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton has warned that the U.S. is ready to impose sanctions on any company from anywhere in the world that does business with the Venezuelan government. President Trump announced new sanctions against the government of Nicolas Maduro on Monday, freezing its assets. Venezuela's foreign minister, Jorge Arriaza, condemned the move, accusing the U.S. of theft. Our great property in the United States was the energy company Citgo. It was stolen. Our buildings and diplomatic headquarters were stolen. The service stations, thousands of Citgo stations, were stolen. Thieves, thieves, and a thousand times thieves. Russian prosecutors have asked a Moscow court to strip a couple of custody of their one-year-old child because they took it to an opposition rally. The BBC's Sasha Schlichter reports. Prosecutors say Dmitry Prakazov and his wife handed their baby to one of the protesters so he could walk through a police cordon unhindered. Sergei Famin is wanted by the authorities as one of the organisers of the unauthorised protest ten days ago. He is facing eight years behind bars for taking part in alleged mass rioting. But the baby's father says Mr. Famin is his wife's cousin and that he'd just given him the child to carry as they were heading home. Moscow's Commissioner for Children's Rights says there are no grounds for stripping the Prakazovs of their parental rights and it's unacceptable to use children to blackmail protesters. The novelist Toni Morrison has died. She was 88. Her depictions of small-town African-American life won her a Pulitzer and a Nobel Prize for Literature. The BBC's Alatra Smith assesses her legacy. Complex and sensuous, Toni Morrison's novels combined realism and folklore to describe the African-American experience. Born in the Midwest in the town of Lorain, Ohio, she was the second of four children in a black working-class family. The young Morrison displayed a precocious interest in literature, and she went on to study at both Howard and Cornell universities before the publication of her first book, The Bluest Eye, in 1970. She's perhaps best known, however, for Beloved, a novel which explores the more painful and taboo aspects of slavery. But in her work, gravity and humour were always close neighbours. And as she herself once said, her project always arose from delight and never disappointment. Financial news, Wynn Macau says its quarterly profit grew 5% to more than 168 million US dollars for the first three months ending in June. But the casino operator says it expects a slowdown in its VIP business due to the anti-extradition protest in Hong Kong, especially after strikes on Monday caused travel disruption. Craig Billings, the president of Wynn Resorts, believes the slowdown will be temporary. Clearly in July there is some softness in VIP. And when you have hundreds of flights canceled out of Hong Kong and some reluctance to travel, I do think that that's impacting the premium end of the business. However, that to me feels very temporary and has really nothing to do with our business and everything to do with what's going on in the region. Shares in the Walt Disney Company fell as much as 5% in after-hours trading after it posted worse-than-expected figures. Profits were down 51% in the three months to June. A rise in revenue from hit films failed to offset the other expenses. Currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 106.13 yen, the euro standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 12 cents, the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 53 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,883. That's 92 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $43 billion. Sport, here's Joanna Wong.
Former England captain Wayne Rooney is going home after his stint with American side DC United, who joined second-tier club Derby County as a player coach in January. Rooney, the record goal scorer for both Manchester United and England, has signed an initial 18-month contract. He says that at the age of 33, he still has more to give. It's what I've done my whole life. It's what I love, and um, until my body says that you can't do it no more, then I'll keep, keep doing it. I feel I've got. A lot of quality which I can bring to the to the squad. First and foremost, I want to come in and play and try and help the team. And then,、um, secondly, I want to try and learn, obviously, off Philip and his his staff to to gain experience for for obviously when I, I do stop playing and and going to the to, to that next step. An investigation into allegations of child sexual abuse at Chelsea during the late 1960s and 70s has concluded that a former chief scout was a prolific and dangerous predator. Eddie Heath has been accused of sexually assaulting several youth players at the club. A separate review has found overwhelming evidence that young black players were racially abused by a former coach at Chelsea in the 80s and 90s. The BBC's Dan Rowan has more. An external review found a former chief scout was able to operate unchallenged as a prolific. Manipulative and sophisticated sexual abuser of young footballers in the 1970s. It concluded that some adults at the club must have been aware of the crimes of Eddie Heath, who died in 1983, but turned a blind eye to what they saw. Meanwhile, a separate review into allegations of racial abuse from the 80s and 90s, conducted by charity Bernardos, concluded that black players were subjected to a daily tirade of racial abuse. It says a number of players recall hearing former Chelsea coach Gwen Williams making racially abusive remarks. He told the review he denies any wrongdoing. Tennis world number one Ashley Barty has crashed out of the WTA tournament in Toronto, falling in three sets in her second round clash with 29th ranked American Sofia Kanin. The French Open champion, who was competing for the first time since a fourth round exit in Wimbledon, battled back from an early break to take the opening set, but the Australian was unable to do the same in the next two sets as 20-year-old Kanin triumphed 6-7-6-3-6-4. In the third round, Kanin will face either Victoria Azarenka or Diana Yastremska. Former world number one Azarenka of Belarus reached her second round with a 6-2, 6-2 win over Camila Georgi. And in another first-round action, Spain's Carlos Suarez Navarro ousted Venus Williams 6-4, 6-2. Meanwhile, the younger Williams Serena has topped Forbes magazine's list of the highest-paid women in sport for the fourth straight year. The publication calculated that the 23-time Grand Slam singles champion earned 29.2 million U.S. dollars in the 12-month period ending June 1st. Japan's Naomi Osaka, who burst to international stardom with a stunning upset of Williams in the 2018 U.S. Open final and went on to win the Australian Open in January, came in second. Former Wimbledon champion Angelique Kerber was third, followed by this year's Wimbledon champion Simona Halep. And that's your look at sport. Joanna Wang reporting. To end the news, our top stories: the, Be- the director of Beijing's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office warns of a grave crisis in the SAR. Lawmaker Michael Tian says there is a way out of the crisis, but only with an independent inquiry. And North Korea is accused of stealing two billion U.S. dollars for its weapons program through cybercrimes. The news from RTHK.